This is a podcast where I talk to people with disabilities to hear their stories. I wouldn't expect anyone to know what life is like for someone who can't walk, can't see, or can't hear. But we have a responsibility to learn and grow throughout our lives. And this podcast is meant to help to see what life is like for someone on the other side. Welcome to Ability. On this episode, I talk to the co-host of the Behind the Chair radio show. On this episode with Doug Longini. Let's get started. So how are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing great, uh, Jacob. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate it. No problem, man. Thanks so much for uh, the invite. Tell me about your disability, as if I know nothing. Okay, my disability is cerebral palsy. I got diagnosed when I was one and a half uh, because I wasn't doing what normal or quote-unquote uh, normal babies were supposed to do at the time, I guess crawl around or whatever, or, uh, you know, keep, keep my balance when I was sitting on the floor or whatever babies do, you know what I mean? So they took me to a doctor here and they diagnosed me with cerebral palsy when I was one and a half. And my dad, uh, my parents were immigrants from Chile and Argentina. And of course, my parents were in total shock. Uh, I'm originally from New Jersey, so I got diagnosed up there. And uh, then my dad was kind of skeptical about what the doctor was initially telling him. So he flew me to Argentina where my grandmother and my grandfather were and uh, had me checked out by a neurologist over there. And unfortunately, he confirmed the same thing that the guy in Jersey told them. So that was pretty much it, you know. According to the doctor in Jersey, what they told my mom and my aunt, uh, because my my dad was... Uh, my dad was a uh, he ended up working for the longshoremen in New Jersey, and he was you know unloading unloading trucks at the docks and all that stuff. So he didn't have time to go to all my doctor's appointments. So when they uh, when my mom went to the doctor, she took my aunt with her, and they said, uh, "Listen." He's not going to be able to talk. He's not going to be able to see. He's not going to be able to hear. He's going to be a total, uh, what, what, it, what is a very offensive word to me now. They called me a vegetable. So I was supposed to be nothing but a paperweight. And they told, they told my mom, listen, you're an attractive woman with, uh, you know, with decent looking husband, I suppose. Just put him in a nursing home and, you guys can go on and have more kids, hopefully come out healthy, and you can move on. And she looked at him like if he had a third eye, and she told him, look, that's not going to happen to my son. And thanks to all her hard work taking me to, you know, physical therapy and occupational therapy, you know, and I am uh, who I am today. So. All the credit goes to her and her. She wouldn't take uh, no for an answer. You know, she wouldn't. She wouldn't give up on me. And 
that's all the credit to her. So, Do you think being from a family of immigrants changed any of the way you, uh, your, uh, how do I want to phrase this? I've tried to come up with a really thoughtful question about how being an immigrant and linking that to your disability. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I, I can help you play connect the dots if you want. Uh, okay. Well, obviously my, my parents were devastated when they got the news, you know, and, uh, the neurologist in Argentina told my dad, uh, told my dad, and my mom, he's like, look, take them back to the United States and take them somewhere warm. So at least, you know, your wife could take them to the park and, and take them out because with the weather in New Jersey, uh, you got to spend nine months out of the year cooped up because of the weather and stuff like that. And with CP and the stiffness caused by the CP, cold weather really sucks for people with CP. So my mom made a decision right then and there. As soon as we got back from Argentina, my aunt was thinking about moving down to Florida anyway. And she had already looked at apartments down here and stuff like that. So she basically got gave my dad an ultimatum. Listen, yeah, you're either going to find a good job in Florida and, and uh, follow me down there because I need to do what's right for our disabled son. And, and either, either you go down to Florida with us or we're getting a divorce. <laughs> so my dad uh, had to make up his mind pretty quick. And my dad obviously thought the obvious is cheaper to keep her. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, divorce or you know so he ended up coming down to florida and uh that's how i got down here when i was like two florida has been home ever since you know my dad got a job down here as a welder because back when he got to before even before he left argentina he went to the u.s embassy in buenos aires and he had taken a bunch of uh tests for different trades, you know, carpentry, welding, auto body technician, you know, to work at a body shop. He just came down here and got a job as a welder, making like seventeen, eighteen dollars an hour in like nineteen seventy four. And uh we came down here to Florida and that's it. Now, would it have been different? Uh was it Here's where the immigrant part of the conversation comes in. Yes, it was a little different because when you get to a new country and you, you know, you don't speak the language and you, they tell you that your son has a disability, uh, I, immediately my dad thought about, okay, well, I'm going to sue the hospital. But the laws in New Jersey in like 19, I don't know, 73, whatever year it was, uh said the way they were written you basically had to t have ten thousand dollars to initiate you know the lawsuit process against the hospital and let's be honest where are two immigrants from south america that just got here 
and maybe speak, you know, 10 words of English, where are they going to get $10,000 to start this process? They weren't able to fight for my rights because of just simple economics. So to answer your question, yeah, I think it, it if I would have been born with American parents that were already here, I would have thought that it would have been a little easier as far as the economics of this, not the economical, the economics of this situation. You know what I mean, Jacob? So I hope that kind of answered your question. Well, to be honest, I didn't actually have a question. Uh, (laughs) Like I said, I was just trying to come up with something that would link those two together, and I think you did a very good job there. Oh, well, thanks a lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting pretty good at this podcast thing. I, I think, without sounding too cocky, I think I'm, I'm okay at this right now. When did you first realize you were different? Moving on to your childhood, it's pretty obvious. You know, you see kids playing in the park or playing at the beach. My dad was a big fan of of the beaches down here and the climate down here you know so i can't tell you how many times we we've been to uh there's a state park in key biscayne florida which is about i don't know 20 30 minutes from my home and a lot of my childhood memories were barbecuing on the beach with my mom and my dad and and you notice that you're different than other kids. And, and obviously you notice that, you know, when you go to school and you're disabled, you know, teachers got to help you more and you got to have somebody uh, pushing you from the classroom to the cafeteria and stuff. So, so <laughs> your thought process on, on being different develops pretty quick. You know, you notice things and, and you notice the stairs that still happens to me to this day. I can't tell you how many times I'm hanging out. For example, I'm hanging out with Cat at the shout out to Cat uh, Magnolia, my uh, co-host on behind the chair. But I can't tell you how many times to this day we're hanging out in Aventura at a Starbucks or or wherever we're hanging out, and. Uh, you still get the stairs, which, you know, which is kind of, <laughs> I can't believe it still happens. You know, uh, 2020, um, you know, and we've had the ADA for uh, 29 years now because the anniversary, the 29th anniversary of the ADA is today. And you still get stairs, you know, when you're in the mall or, when you're in a restaurant or, and you got to decide pretty quick in life, uh, are you going to be bitter or are you going to be positive about things? You know what I mean? You can't, you can't educate everybody. You try to educate everybody. That's part of the reason why we do the show. And I'm sure that's part of the reason why you do your podcast, but you got to decide really quick whether you're going to be bitter like the world owes you something or if you're going to move on. And I think I had a conversation with my mom when I was eight years old. I was basically 
raised by my mom and my grandmother because my dad was doing real estate a lot of the time because after he got out of welding and stopped being a grease monkey, he uh, took an accounting class which led him on the path to real estate. I don't know how accounting and real estate correlated, but he got his real estate license and he got into that. So he wasn't home a lot. So basically, I got raised by my mother and my aunt. You know, my dad would come home 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. He'd spend half an hour with me in front of the TV, and then I'd have to go to sleep to get ready for school. You know, but my mom and I had that conversation when I was probably seven or eight years old, and she told me pretty quick, listen, you, you got a lot of gifts you can you can see, you can speak, you can hear, you know, and you're nowhere near a vegetable. So you got to decide, are you going to be bitter or are you going to be a positive person? And I, I decided to just be a positive person, as positive as I could be as a person and just go on with my life. What is your relationship like with your parents as you've gotten older? Is your relationship still really great? My mom passed away in 2005 from cancer. I always had a really tight relationship with her. My relationship with my dad, like I said, uh, my dad was out on the street all the time. So, yeah, when I saw him, we got along. And then, you know, the tougher stuff, the tougher stuff didn't start till I was like a teenager. And I went through my rebellious stage and, and, you know, I didn't want to listen to my mom or my dad. And, and my mom would basically tell my dad, your son is being a pain in the ass again, you know? Uh, but yeah, yeah, I had a pretty decent relationship with, with my parents, I would guess. I mean, I've, it wasn't like leave it to beaver or anything like that, but. I didn't like want to run away or like throw stuff at my parents when I was like 12 or 13. So I guess I was a good kid. What was grade school like for you? I know you mentioned it a little bit there, but did you have a good time in school? Yeah, grade school was fun. Elementary school was fun. I mean, I didn't get, I didn't get bullied. And to see, we always bring it back to behind the chair for some reason. You know that, uh, my co-host, Cat Magnolia, is a big anti-bullying advocate, but I didn't experience any of that until uh, junior high school and a little bit my freshman year in high school. But grade school was fine. I was They used to call me the lawyer. Why did they call you the lawyer? Because I could always persuade someone to see my point of view in an argument. I was a very persuasive kid. How did you get started doing Behind the Chair? Behind the Chair was, for me, was a total fluke. Some of the biggest things in your life or some of the most special things in your life happen because of of pure accidents, uh, right place, right time, okay? As, as we know, my co-host on Behind the Chair, Cat Magnolia, is uh, Miss Wheelchair Florida 2017, and she got interviewed 
on another radio show. I don't even remember what the name of the show was. I think it was Brain Matters, okay, which which was hosted by this guy, okay. He's a doctor, and, and he tackles, uh, he, I think he had a son with a disability himself, so he tackles a lot of topics about, that concern people with disabilities. So she got on there as a guest, and he made, the guy that had the show made her his co-host. Since she had such a tight friendship with me, she invited me as a guest to talk about the ADA and how people with disabilities can uh, advocate for their rights under the ADA. So I got invited as a guest. And that turned into a recurring invite. I would do the show, I don't know, every couple of weeks or, you know, whatever. Or whenever, whenever this guy wasn't, you know, he had to go do something else or he was out of town, he would, like, say, listen, I, uh, he would, like, call me and say, Doug, I need you to co-host the show with Kat. And uh, apparently we were pre- we were pretty good because when that show ended for some reason, I guess the guy just didn't have time to do it anymore or whatever. The producer of the show, Peter Wynn, which owns the WEI network, he said, you guys should have your own show. And I was like, really, Peter? I understand why you'd give a show to her because she's Miss Wiltshire, Florida, whatever. And she's actually really good at this radio thing. But why do you want me on there? And it's like, well, you guys have great chemistry and stuff like that. And, and you guys, your opinions are on opposite sides of the spectrum. And I think it'd be a really good show. And We've been doing it for, I don't know, a little over two years now. We've had wonderful guests like you on the show and and a bunch of really uh, powerful advocates and, and powerful people with disabilities. And, and the purpose of the show was just to spotlight what people with disabilities can do in their own communities to contribute to their communities in a positive way. That's the entire premise of, of Behind the Chair and other podcasts like yours, because you pretty much do the same thing with, with a little different spin. But thanks to people like you and Kat, people know what people with disabilities can do to be positive members of their own communities. So I'm, I'm like I said, I walked, I rolled into it. I almost said walk. I wish. I rolled into it completely by accident. Here I am two years later, and I think I'm doing a halfway decent job, and that's the story of Behind the Chair. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. What I really like about the show is the yin and yang of it between you and Kat. I don't know if you're old enough to remember uh, Siskel and Ebert. Oh, that's yeah, what yeah. made that show so good. Absolutely. Was that on some level they hated each other, but that made really good television. I'm not saying you and Cat hate each other. Nah, nah. You know, but I'm Let, saying that you know that they're. That. Let's clarify that. Oh I, yeah, well yeah, I, right. I'm trying I don't to say. Hate her. No, I don't no, no, no. Of course not. No, no, no. Of course not. As a matter of fact, that's not. As a matter of fact, I love her to death. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Although, <laughs> although, you know, like I said, her opinion 
I can pretty much tell you that her opinion is going to be different than mine 98% of the time. You know what I mean? And I think that's what, like you said, that's what made Cisco and Ebert so good. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like, which I don't really think that they actually hated each other, and I don't, you know, not, that's not what I was trying to insinuate there, but that no, no, conflict. I'm just, I'm yeah. just kidding, man. I'm just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, that conflict makes for really good entertainment and for really good points of view, is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. And that's what yeah. I love so much about it. That's what, uh, that's what made Siskel and Ebert so great, and I think some of that is what makes Behind the Chair so great, those, con- you know, that conflict. Thank you for the compliment. I'm I'm just a guy that's trying to follow, you know. I'm just a guy that's trying to follow in you guys' footsteps. Like, like I I tell people all the time, you and Cat are the pros. I'm just a guy that makes things funny, and I come in there, and you know, I give a little stick with a difference of opinion. You know that that probably that probably irritates more than one person, but you know. Opinions are like, opinions are like, I don't know, uh, opinions are like shirts, you know, everybody's got one, or, you know, everybody wears clothes, you know, so everybody's got an opinion, so. Yeah, I really love the show, and I love what you guys are doing. Um, uh, does that show actually play like on terrestrial radio, or is it internet radio? I've always it's, I don't it's live inter- in Florida. It's it's internet radio. It's internet radio. You can uh, just go to the weinetwork.com at five o'clock on Wednesday, and you will listen to two people with very different points of view. Uh, give you their thoughts on everything from our opinions about being disabled right now to people that are, you know, designing clothing lines for people with disabilities or or a, uh, let's say, a um, an artist that provided, uh, like a guy like Chris Snapper, the illustrator that did her book her latest book, which is Pete the Private Eye, that's based on a character who is legally blind and uses uh, the powers of deduction and his magical cane to solve mysteries in his neighborhood. The book came out about a month and a half ago. Uh, I bought three copies the other day that I'm going to give away to uh, friends with kids. So... Uh, definitely tune in to Behind the Chair so so that you can get our opinions every week on anything, pretty much. How long have you been doing Behind the Chair? Uh, well, like I said, we've been doing it almost a little over two years now, I think. Who inspires you, or who do you look up to? I get inspiration from a lot of places. Like, uh, artists inspire me. Musicians inspire me, writers inspire me, athletes inspire me, motivational speakers. So it's about where you find uh, your daily inspiration. You know what I mean? When you hear like one of those humanitarian stories at the end of the news that they all try to do now about the little kid that saved his little sister 
you know, the eight-year-old that saved his little sister from drowning in a pool. Just to give an example, anything, a lot of things inspire me. So, you know, I don't have one, I don't have one source. I look for inspiration in a lot of places. What do you consider your biggest accomplishment? Considering I was told by these doctors in in New Jersey that I was never going to amount to anything. Uh, let's see, I graduated high school. I graduated technical school. What would I consider my biggest accomplishment? Probably getting my mortgage broker's, my Florida mortgage broker's license that I had from 2000 to 07. I got it in 2000 and I, I or 2001, and I had it till 07, 08, until the economy bottomed out and nothing was moving in real estate or mortgages for like the next three years. But that's what I consider my biggest accomplishment. Educational-wise, my biggest accomplishment is personal, probably getting married and getting married to an able-bodied woman, which you don't see that a lot with disabled people, I guess. You're you're seeing it more now, but remember, I'm I'm I just turned forty six, uh, July fourteenth. Okay, you didn't see a lot of that when I was a teenager or whatever. But I met a I met a girl named Angela in uh, technical school, and we became friends. And one thing led to another, and I got married, and and. We were together for like six years until, you know, things happen, people drift apart, and you get divorced, but we're still great friends to this day. So I guess my biggest personal accomplishment would be getting married to an able-bodied person, and my biggest educational accomplishment or professional accomplishment would be getting my mortgage broker license. So. What's your hope for the future? You know, I'm going to bring it back to what these podcasts are for, okay? My my hope for the future is that hopefully hopefully my health holds up number 1 cuz I don't plan on going anywhere anytime soon. You know, like I said I turned 46, but I feel about I don't know, 28. So, if my health holds up, uh and the economy stays stable. I just hope that disabled people get more opportunities for jobs, for educational opportunities, uh, you know, maybe some entrepreneurship, a disabled person that wants to start their own business. I, I just hope for things like that, you know, so that the next generation that comes after me and maybe the one that comes after that one can just have positive things happen for them. And like I said, the ADA turned 29 today. And like we said on our podcast, when we did it Wednesday and we did the uh, ADA anniversary show, listen, I know that things are okay right now with the ADA, but there's still a lot of work to be done, you know? So I just hope that disabled people get a fair shake in the future you know what i mean how do you think people see you and how do you wish people would see you 
my friends see me as uh, hopefully I'll give you what my friends see and I'll give you what society I think sees. My friends, hopefully they see a loyal guy, hopefully that cares about everybody that's around him and is always willing to help even a complete stranger if he has to. Now what society sees <laughs> is a little different. They probably see a pretty outspoken, pretty outgoing, sometimes bordering on arrogant guy, because like I said, I have my opinions. And like I said, sometimes you're going to like my opinion, and sometimes you're not going to like my opinion, but I don't care, because I don't want to be liked by everybody. And, and as a disabled person, if you think that you're going to be liked by everyone, you're just fooling yourself. I have a very realistic view of life and you can't please everybody you know so so there's going to be people that like what i'm selling and there's going to be people that don't like what i'm selling but either way i hope they see a person that wants to contribute to society a person that wants to make the world a better place a person that's going to be energetic a person that's never going to take no for an answer and a person that's going to try to accomplish all his goals. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say at the pearly gates? First of all, if heaven exists, and, and I'm up there meeting with God, I hope I've scored enough points to get in. That's number one, okay? But, but based on the thought that I may have, enough points to get into heaven uh he would probably say something like all right all right you've done a good enough job getting in here so get in here you pain in the ass and and try to keep it as quiet as possible because i know you got a big mouth wow <laughs> i just imagine god saying wow our standards have really dropped lately yeah right right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Wow, wow, <laughs> wow, guys, we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't. Yeah. Wow, yeah, yeah, I felt the same thing. That is my last question. Is there anything else you want to talk about? No, man. Um, like I said, uh, I want to plug the WEI network. Like I said, uh, I don't want to talk about this too much. But we've come, we've come, uh, we've come pretty far with the ADA, but we still have things to do. So if there's anybody that has a public accommodations issue in their communities or has any questions uh, about, you know, how to approach your community, if you're having trouble finding accessible parking or getting into your favorite restaurant or trying to get more disabled hotel rooms in your town or whatever it is you can uh, look me up on facebook i got a facebook page you can uh, always call me i have a cell phone number 786-709-6885 so if anybody wants to become an advocate i can uh, walk you through on how getting how you can get started with that that's pretty much it. Oh, oh, and I didn't give out my email. Douglas.Langini at gmail.com. 
Thanks so much to Doug for being on this episode, and thank you for listening. You can find more of Doug's information at abilitypodcast.com forward slash Doug Longini. I'm not going to give you the spiel this time about how you should subscribe to the podcast and go and rate and review it on iTunes. I'm sure you've already done that, so just go do it. You don't need me to tell you what to do. You know, every time I do the voiceover for the end of these episodes, it's always a temptation to sound like the guy who did the original English dub for Dragon Ball Z. He said, like, next time on Dragon Ball Z. It's really tempting to just do that. Just just that voice. But all the time. Thanks for listening to the Ability Podcast. Ah, who am I kidding? This is going to make the show anyway.